Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi, everybody. It's Marcia Casper-Cook, and it's a Good Story is a Good Story, and Michigan Avenue Media, and any other name you want to call the show. But I've been doing it for 12 years, and I thought um, I should give you a little bit of background on me, because sometimes I don't. And um, the, for those that don't know me, um, I'm an author, screenwriter, and um, for over 20 years, I was a literary agent uh, from the WGA, and also now I'm the podcast host and producer of the show. So... Um, if we move around to a lot of subjects, I just wanted people to know that I actually have done a lot of these things, so I do know some of these things, And um, but I have three guests on here that are going to be talking about what they know, and they will help children's authors quite a bit, and whatever we talk about editing and um, marketing, it, it can go to any author, so it doesn't matter if it's just children's, but it's important especially now that children have good books and have, you know, they parents are at home with them. And so now is more, now more than ever. That's why I've been doing a lot more children's shows because I think parents are running out of things to do with their children. It's been a long time. But, uh, and that's, so that'll be that for the show. So, and the three guests, they can ask questions to, of each other if they like. And um, the guests are Rich Linville, Brooke Vitali. Did I say it right? Vic, Brooke? Vitaly. Vitaly. Is that right? Okay, good. And Donald Lloyd. Okay, and I'm Marsha Cook. So I'll let each of them introduce themselves, and then we'll have a discussion. Um, Donald, you've been on before, just as Rich has. So tell everybody a little bit about what you do and what you can offer authors out there. Absolutely. Um, thanks. I, I believe this is my third time on with Marsha, and I'm uh, thoroughly enjoyed every time with it. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> Yeah, very uh, brief background into me is I'm a children's book author and illustrator and have been for a little over a year now. And it's been a very wild ride, to say the least. You know, I thoroughly (laughs) enjoy talking with everyone in the community. And it's just every day is a new learning experience for me. That's, you know, it is for everybody out there now, especially, you know, Actually, I think we've been in the pandemic most of the time since you've been on, I think, actually, probably. Yes. You know, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, okay, and talking about community, writing community, uh, okay, Rich, you, you started a, such a big community of authors, children's authors. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you do and how you did this? And your well, new <clears throat> blog. I taught for 48 years, enjoyed it, uh, all grade levels from uh, elementary to college, 
And um, when I retired in 2016, my wife said, uh, start writing children's books because you've been telling stories for 48 years. So um, since 2016, I've published over 100 children's books and over 100 audio books, and I enjoy doing them. I, I, I do all types of, of stories, a variety of stories, um, and have a lot of fun doing it. I have some uh, Facebook pages as well as blogs. Um, my Facebook page um, is um, audiobooks for children and um, um, parents for or children's books. And then I also have um, a blog called readersplusreviews.blogspot.com where I um, review books and talk about different types of books for parents. Which they need right at this time so much. You know, I mean, yeah, there's homeschooling and there's there's so much time mm-hmm. with their children, you know, that I think they run out of things to do. So I think we can talk about audiobooks a little later because I think it's important and a lot of people have been on the show that they don't really care about the audiobooks. I love audiobooks. But, and so we'll talk about that a little later. Okay, Brooke. You have a Hi, Marcia. Large Thank you for resume. having me on. Oh, you're welcome. You have a large <laughs> resume. I couldn't even put everything on. So tell everybody who you are and what you've done and how many books have sold with the copies you've sold for all these authors with the editing. Oh, my God. That's a lot. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, yes. yeah, I am a children's book editor. I started doing it straight out of excuse me, college. So I've been doing it for almost 20 years now. And I started off at a company called Sterling Publishing, which at the time had been newly acquired by Barnes & Noble. So I worked for them a couple of years, moved over to Penguin for a few years, and then I went to Disney for eight years. And about three years ago, I decided to go freelance. I'm a mom of two little kids. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old, which gives you an idea of why I stopped three years ago. (laughs) Yes, Um, You know, I really felt I needed to be home for them more, and I started doing freelance editing. And it was a little bit here and there at first, but I've really been doing a lot lately and really getting into the self-publishing community as well, which has been fantastic, and I've met so many wonderful people through it. And I just launched my website, which is brookvitale.com, and a blog to go with it. And what I'm really trying to do with that is bring my 20 years of experience and information to all of my authors who don't know what I know, but need to know what I know in order to do their work. And that might be, what are the stages of getting through a book so you make sure you're hitting everything in order? I just put one out this week that talked about the stages of illustration from character sketches and thumbnails all the way through final art so that you could have an intelligent conversation with any illustrator you're looking to hire and know what you're getting from them. So that's really my goal. In addition to editing and making books, the best they could possibly be is educating people with all of this stuff that's floating around in my head. Which I think people need to have, they need to find the right way to do it because there is a wrong way to do it. And um, one of the things we've discussed on the shows many times for, it doesn't matter if you're a fiction writer, nonfiction, of, you know, so many things that, you know, when you want to write a book, you have to do right. So editing is always the number one. Absolutely. If you don't do editing and, you know, right, nothing else works. So when someone comes to you, how do you, a lot of times they, they think if their neighbor read it or if their teacher's friend read it or a professor read it, that it's fine. So what do you say to them? 
you know, because they think what they've every word is perfect, and they have to start cutting sometimes to make it sound better. So how do you get them to understand this at the beginning? Yeah, yeah, you know, for me, and I specialize in picture books, and those are so specific for what you need as far as where you're targeting both word count and story and, you know, how your page turns are sitting, all of those things. So personally, when somebody comes to me, the first thing I do for them before they even hire me is I give them a sample edit because I think they need to see what am I going to do on your book? And I'm usually looking for problems with the book so that they can understand what sort of issues might be there. You know, some books don't have a lot of problems. Some of them really are just about finessing the language and some of them have huge plot holes. And you know, what I have found is that more often than not, even if an author thinks that their book is perfect, they're thrilled to get those notes back telling them where it's not perfect because no matter how great you are, no matter how many people have read your book who aren't in the field, you still need somebody who can find those holes for you. Nobody can edit themselves. I can't edit myself. My editors find things for me all the time. Yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, uh, okay, so, you you know, like Donald, okay, so you, when you started this, what made you decide that you knew other people needed what you did? Because, Uh, you know, you're just starting out. So how did you decide that, you know, to do this and make this plunge? Well, to be truthful, it it wasn't really my choice. It was my previous employer's choice who decided they didn't need my services anymore. Um, So I I would like to say we we mutually agreed to part ways, but that would be lying, and I don't want to do that on the show. So um, I know that already. I know, I know. (laughs) It was a, uh, for me, a really just trying to figure out what to do with my time and I have always enjoyed artwork and appreciated artwork. And for so long, I'd been, you know, struggling with what to do with it or could I do anything with it? And, you know, I'm sure Brooke can attest to this too. I have two kids, two boys, you know, 12 and seven, and they provide me with all the fuel I need for the fire to write a book. So yeah. it basically just turned into taking those life experiences and those uh, moments of, you know, what lesson did I learn today and putting it with my artwork. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I've got yeah. two that I'm go – sorry, go ahead. No, no, go. No. I've got two that I'm working on. It's the same thing. It's pulled from family experience because that was, that's what comes from the heart. And then the key is just making sure that whatever you're writing isn't something that's already out there, that it really stands out from the crowd. Yeah, right. which, is hard. You know, right? which is hard, though. Rich, go ahead, which is exactly. very hard. I, I also ahead. agree. I, mine are my grandchildren. They, I call them up and say, okay, what, do you, what are you interested in or what are you learning in school or what do you, what do you want to learn about? And then um, my granddaughter, um, she, she wanted to learn about um, the uh, Great Depression. And so I did the research and I did the illustrations and um, the, the Interesting little stories that came out of the Great Depression with, with for people um, that she just said that wasn't in her book or that that wasn't in her class, but it added so much. And she she shared the book with her teacher and and she enjoyed the the in, little insights of, of people of the Great Depression. Yeah, 
I, I think that, that the topics, you know, there are so many topics that people can use that you they don't even realize they could use. And sometimes they start, if you start writing it, you get more of a message than you even intended. Even, and when I wrote my books, I didn't really intend on having a message. And then when people started reading them, they go, oh, this is a message. And I go, oh, okay, but I just did it. I worked in a pediatric office for 20 years, so I was with kids all the time. And so, but I think, you know, if you don't start out sometimes with a message, it's better that it kind of like seeps in through your writing. Brooke, wouldn't you agree? Because if you start true. with a message, it's like you're drumming it in to the kids too. And sometimes, I, yeah, the message changes. As you're writing, you, you edit it and you're editing, and then all of a sudden yeah. you have a different message. Brooke, were you going to say something? I Go do ahead. agree with that, but I, you know, the thing that I would say is, to keep in mind that not every book has to have a message because no, I right. do see that exactly. a lot. No, that's this true. Right. I didn't mean it. Right. <laughs> that's true. No, I, right. I, for you, I completely get that. But, you know, I, I've seen that a lot. You know, does a book have to have a message? Does a book have to have a moral? And sometimes a right. book I is just I, good. I, do, I agree. Yeah. I, that's the other thing, right, because I never even realized that I wrote it for fun. And they go, oh, this has a message. So that's true because kids like fun. And I think that Sometimes people, I think, Rich, you in a lot of your books, you just have small subjects and don't put too much in front of them, and that's why you can write so many of them. You know, sometimes it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, yeah, uh, label, I've seen uh, books. The label, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the label I call for it is edutainment, meaning that you're educating and you're entertaining yeah. as yeah. much as possible. But you're right. You don't always have to have a message. You just have to have, right. have some fun with things. I'm glad I'm glad Brooke you, you brought that out because that's true. And I think that when people are writing anything, you you can't you just should write a book and enjoy what you're writing. And you can't, you know, even if you're writing a romance book or whatever you're writing, you don't have to just throw things in it just because it's a romance book. Just let the story flow. I think that Brooke, how do you feel about that? The story should flow, right? I agree. In a certain completely. way. And I've seen again, I've seen so many people ask how do I get started with this? And honestly, you just write. It yeah. does not matter on your first draft how terrible yeah. it is. It doesn't matter how long it is. Get your words out. That's what self-editing and editing later are for. But you've got to yeah. start somewhere. You've got to get the thoughts out so you can start refining them. Okay, this is, you know, having been an agent all those years and seen so many books that didn't get published, you know, a lot of times um, – well, in the well years ago, you could just write the words, and then they worry about the editing. You know, the, not the editing, the the illustrations. Because I think, you know, if you're sending to a publisher, how is it changed any now? Where they want you to give some idea of what they're thinking, because sometimes some oh. editors might not get what you're thinking. I don't know. I mean, that seems to be something that happens sometimes. Only if there's something that's so central to the story that you know has to be conveyed through art, but that there's no way to get it through reading the text, yep. then absolutely you give them that art note. You say this character is doing this thing, and that's going to be a major visual reveal. But if it's just the characters running down the street, they don't need to see that. They can pick that up from the text. Exactly. Okay. All right. Yeah. And so, and I think, all right, we, you touched on something before with the show it was, you know, the fact that people are afraid to send their books to publishers now or agents. What, why do you think that's happened now? You and know, they don't, don't go to publishers at first. I, I don't think it's so much a fear of sending them to agents and to publishers. It, it's a little bit. 
It's a little bit the fear that they're going to lose control over their book, that they want yeah. their book to be what they want their book to be. And everybody has heard these stories that a publisher is going to take your book and they're going to mutilate it. They're going to turn it into whatever they want. You're yeah. going to have no say yeah. over it. And I just want to say that's not true. That is 100% not true because any picture book, any a labor of love to get it from the editor through a sales team who's going to say okay and they're going to agree to fund this yeah. project. And no editor is going to go through that for a book they think is only so-so. So yeah. they're not overhauling your book. They're just looking to make it a little bit better. But right. well, I think people are afraid. They're also afraid of rejection. You know, um, when I started out, you know, and people, you know, in – Years ago, and even and now, people are afraid that people, and maybe they should get some rejection, because I think what I see over the years is there's so many books out there that maybe they should have been rejected, okay, because they're not that great, and, you know, it's nothing, I mean, I've written books myself that I, you know, I had to redo and redo and redo, but, I mean, if you do get rejected, I think sometimes it's kind of good for you in a lot of ways, because it makes you really try harder, but I think people are afraid to get rejected, you know, and the ones that get rejected, they give up too fast. And I used to say, just keep writing. You'll get better. Hopefully, you'll get better. What, do you, what does anybody have to say about that? The fact of being rejected is a problem for people. But even a single story, it could be rejected 20 times and the 21st person picks it up. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. But they don't want to wait. A lot of times they don't want to wait. So they are independently publishing it. And, you know, it's a really tough market out there, but it's it's not easy if you're on Amazon to get noticed. You know, there are so many authors out there now. It's, you know, I mean, and, you know, how does everybody feel about reviews? Okay, Rich, do you try to get reviews now? Or it's it's hard to get reviews these days. It's and keep them on Amazon but, because Amazon keeps taking off people now. Yeah, the reviews I like are the ones where they give me suggestions. And so then I go back and and consider those suggestions and rewrite and, and re-edit and rewrite oh, and re-edit again and again. And, and in some of my books, I've done some uh, major changes simply because of the, the constructive criticism that I appreciated when from somebody. Are you then releasing that as a new book or a new edition? How are you handling that? For for when I when I when you're doing book, substantial I, revision on a book, it's really yeah. a new book. Are you pulling down the old one and oh, putting up a new one as a new cases, book? It's a, it's in one, in some cases it's a, a completely new title, so that um, someone had said that the book that I wrote about the Great Plains Indians. That by looking at the cover, they thought it was for adults. When actually, I had written it for children. I was written for my grandson who was studying the Great Plains Indians, and so I went back and and had to start all over again and change the title to um, "People of the Plains for Kids" because uh, I didn't have for kids in the title. But the cover is what he was judging the book by, and he thought well, it was for adults. Couldn't you just change the cover? Him. Couldn't you have just changed the cover? Because people are doing that a lot. And I well, do that a lot. But his criticism that that he. No, I love that cover. No, that cover was for plain engines for, for okay, kids. Okay, so you just need it for kids then. You just need to put that. I need it for kids. And so then I had to yeah. go get another um, uh, ISBN number and another um, ASIN number. So, And then I just simply um, got rid of the other book. Since I did Sometimes all, you can't get rid of the books on Amazon, though. If, you sell, if you've sold a book, I don't think they take it off. 
that you can, um, in a way, there are ways to do it. Yeah, you just simply talk with Amazon. Um, I found that Amazon, when I call them up on the phone or when I send them emails, they uh, Kindle Desktop Publishing is, is very supportive and very helpful. Hmm. Because I, I, I've, some books are older, and I don't know if they, you know, I've heard that they don't take them off. Brooke, do you know anything about that? Or That once you've written I've a book heard- there, they no, I mean, I hurt? think if you want it, if you don't want to sell it anymore, you have the right to take it out of the marketplace. Yeah, yeah I, you I've can done take that it not for sale, but they don't always take it out. They, it's you can't, they can't order no. the book. They can stop there. Well, but right, I don't yeah. know. Some, it's still going to yes. be there as something that somebody could sell a used copy. But because at that that's point, what happens, no right? For sale. Exactly. You, yeah. Right. You put your new one out. It's got a new ISBN. It's yeah. got a new cover. So it's right, not right. Then it's it, okay. It shouldn't be right. linked anymore. Right, yeah, right. So and if you change the title, it's a good I, I, thing too. But sometimes you don't. Want, if you change the title, sometimes you lose the reviews, also. Yeah, and no, I, I think I, now, I, I, yeah. and I think now they it's don't. Right. You can't even put editorial reviews on. I think. Do you know about that? Because I think they've. Ta- I don't know if anybody knows, but I think they've changed great, uh, Author Central a lot. It's very different. I know they've made changes. I know that they just recently stopped. Um, authors from being able to reply to reviews. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was one thing. Okay, I didn't know about that. Yeah. Because sometimes people want to reply because it does get a lot of Because, you know, they do say things. You know, the, some of the people that are reviewing, they just, you know, it's it, they're not reviewers. They just are, are, are stating something, and they can really hurt the person for no reason. And they don't even, like, they'll look at it and they'll go, I don't like this book for no reason. You know, they don't, it's not right. It's not like a reviewer, reviewer. And that Amazon, I think sometimes they are looking for that now, but they are taking off people's reviews that if somebody knows somebody, that doesn't mean that they're giving them only a good review. But after a lot of years, people want to read somebody's book and they know them. So what? You know, but they are taking them off, which isn't a good thing. Yeah, I know they've been very picky about the reviews, but, you know, one of the pieces of feedback I've seen from a lot of the author groups that I'm in is as hard as it is to get that one-star review from somebody who buys a book about a unicorn and says, this is a one-star book because I don't like unicorns. Why did you buy that book? That having that mix makes you look a little bit more authentic. Yeah, I I know. It's not all just five stars, only your best friends telling people that it's a great book. Right, which is why I've left some of mine on, too. You know, I had one that it was so funny because uh, it was a book, It's Never Too Late for Love, and there's, um, you know, they didn't like the dog in it, okay? They liked their dog better, okay? <laughs> it's a, it was unbelievable. They, it, And it was nothing to do with the book, but they didn't like the dog because they thought my dog wasn't as nice as their dog, and they put that on there. And I'm thinking, like, what? You know, and, and I figured, well, fine, you know. And even in another book of mine, I, I do keep them on, though. I don't ask them to take them off because you're right. I think it looks bad if you have all five-star reviews, you know, and four. You know, it really I does. I, I don't mind the, the negative reviews. In fact, it, the negative of nice, nice, you're offset by the positive, so that's fine with me. 
Right, but if but but if they write something that's ridiculous, you know, like that, I think people that are, you know, I don't really read all the reviews of other people. I can't imagine some people have like five thousand reviews, so I don't know that anybody's going to look at five thousand reviews. But I do think it's unfortunate that people won't read someone's book if they think they don't have a lot of reviews. They're missing a lot. Anybody have anything to say about that? Because that's unfair, Donald. How do you feel about that? Uh I'm. Still new to the whole review process, so this is all yeah. good info for me. Um, because you know, my book has twelve reviews on Amazon, and I'm thrilled to, to death with twelve. Trust me. And well, twelve good. Twelve not is, all, a, is a good number. I mean, it, it's yeah, fine. And they're, they're not all fives. They're not all fours. You know, but right. They're they're honest impressions, which is I think the point of it. And yeah, some of them are written by family members that have bought the book from it. You know, and that's fine. I I don't mind that. It's it's nice to just see that it's making an impression, good or bad. But right, Brooke, how do you feel about you know? Are there subjects that you think that are really important for people when they're you know because you're offering services that are really important for people to get started in this field in the right way? So what would you tell them? I mean, what are things that they should know? Because I think a lot of times people think we're all born knowing this, and we're not. It takes years and years to know a lot of things. I mean, look at all of you've learned in all the years and all the jobs you've had. So what would you tell to, for people out there that are just beginning? You know, first of all, do your research. You need to know as much as you can. I think that it's great for somebody to say, I wrote a book and I'm going out the door with it now. But as you mentioned earlier, there are so many books out there, and you need to know how your stands out. You need to know that it's not getting lost in the crowd. As far as actual process is concerned, I know we were talking about this before the call a bit. I think understanding the steps that you have to take and the fact that they go in a specific order for a reason is so important. You know, the first thing, once you've gone through – your family reading your book and your friends and maybe some other writers is to go and get your editor to work on a book. Find somebody, and this is key, whether you're in children's or adults of any kind, you want to find somebody who specializes in the kind of book that you are working on. Yeah. I do picture books. I do chapter books, a little bit of middle grade. If you handed me a YA novel, I would not know what to do with it. If you gave me romance, I wouldn't know what to do with it. I would never yeah. take one of those jobs. So you want somebody who knows your field. And then especially with picture books, one of the reasons that editorial is so important first is because if you start off saying my book is good and you go to an illustrator and then you go to an editor after, you are locked into your story. Your art is done. And unless you're willing to spend a lot more money, you can't make the changes you need to make. But by starting with editorial, you know before you spend any extra money that you have your story locked, your moments are set, your page turns are set, nothing's changing. Editorial, I think, is amazingly enough, although one of the most important elements of it, it's also one of the cheapest elements of preparing your book. So it's better to spend the less amount of money up front to get it right before you start spending big dollars on illustration that isn't going to work. Right. And some illustrators are really not as much as people think, you know, uh, 
I've had illustrators on my show and that have done mine, you know, and they charge, you know, 50 a drawing. And, you know, and sometimes you can get away with, and they're, he's very good. Mikey Brooks has been on my show a lot, and he's done my books. So, and sometimes because I've redone them and redone them, and I end up spending a lot of money because then I change my covers and do things like that. But, you know, he, sometimes you can get away with just a few drawings, and if you have an independent publisher like I do, let's say like I use Fidelity Publishing, she helps me along. She's a graphic artist, and she's helped me in all my books. We've started at the beginning, you know, and I don't use anybody else because over the years, 20 years, I've seen the mess that people can run into with books. So I'm pretty secure when she helps me with a cover that she'll get a drawing from Mikey, and then she'll do it really good. She she does a great job of putting it graphically. And a lot of times when you go on Amazon, I think people have come to me and said, oh, I don't like the way the colors are. Well, you can't do everything yourself. You need to go to, if you're going independently, you need to find somebody that is going to get that book to look good. You know, because Mm -hmm. if you spend money on an illustrator and you go to an editor and then you go to somebody to independently publish it that really doesn't know what they're doing or that just charges you a lot of money and doesn't really know how to do it or if you think you can do it by yourself, you ruin a lot sometimes by the coloration. Yeah. I mean, Brooke, would you agree on that? You know, also, the cover tells a story and it's really important that that story come across properly. So... I agree with you. I think that it can't just be you as an author looking at it. You need to make sure that other people understand the story that you're trying to tell with it. You know, yeah. A lot of my authors come to me and they show me the covers they have and say, okay, what is this? Is this working? Is this not working? And we work them together. You know, yeah. whether that's going to your editor, whether that's going to a stranger on the street and saying, can you tell what this book is about? If they can't tell what it's about, you've got a problem. Yeah. Well, I've learned that over the years much more than I ever knew before. Well, because, you know, even when I was working as an agent, how much that title means, too. Because people right now, if the title doesn't, mean, you know, get you to understand what the story's about, because I have made mistakes on that. So I think that that's really important. The title, if you put a title in that doesn't tell you what the book's about and you know, like Rich said, they'll get it. You know, because when you put it on Amazon, if it gets in the wrong category, too, you're never going to get seen. So, I mean, there are so many different things that you have to really trust people that know what they're doing to help you do this. You know, and and I think so, Brooke, you're offering services that even if they just do some of your services, that'll get them on the right track, right? I mean, I would, I think, you know, by looking over your website – it's a good website, and it's it. You're not overly expensive for the beginning to help people, so they can get that start. So, what would you say to someone? You know, they have to spend some money. I mean, I think that a lot of times people are going to independent publishers, or or I shouldn't say independent for publishers that will do everything for you, but maybe not the right way. So, if they start outright with the right words and editing they at least have a chance of the story being good. What would you tell people out there how they begin with their t- you know, title? I mean, you know, Donald, you have a, a good title on your book, you know, and Rich, I noticed that your books say exactly what they, you know, if it's about Kamala, it's about, you know, or whatever subject. You just added some new books. 
right? I I always, I always try to think of the cover as a teaser, like in a movie that, that yeah. pulls you in. That when you see that trailer or movie trailer or movie teaser, you got to see that movie. When you see that cover, you got to read that book. That the the cover to me is a teaser. And Brooke, how about the title? What do you you know? Because I've changed titles a lot. So how do you think about the title for people when they're you know, choosing a book? Not. Yeah, it's not something that I usually start with because I feel yeah. like the book can change shape so much as you work your way through it. Yeah, right. I and sometimes the title even just, yeah. yeah, sometimes even just seeing the title you think you want on a cover makes you realize it's not working. Yeah. So I think it's something you keep in mind as you go through. But again, you know, the cover tells a story and that title is part of that story. Right. Um, many times I write the title last. I don't write my title at the beginning. I might change my title two, three, four, five times yeah. um, before I get to the right title that I feel, okay, I think that's the one that's going to catch or be the teaser. I think sometimes the title comes from the book. That's how I look at it, sometimes from the book. And I'll start out with one thing and, you know, just so, like, I can find it on my computer because I do make too many copies of everything. So I put, you know, something that will I'll recognize. And then it's never going to be that title usually that I start out with because I think I get my title sometimes from what I write. Because, you know, I don't always know how it's going to go. You know, in a children's book, a little more than, well, actually, no, in a children's book, I don't know, you know, because those I did years ago. But in my books now, I sometimes do change it because the way the story goes and how important it is now to get in that market and to make sure that you're on Amazon in the right way. You know, I, I just think a lot of this, it nothing really changes, but everything changes. I mean. You know, in five minutes as we're talking right now, Amazon could be making a change, you know, or Facebook. So let's get on to marketing. All right. Who would like to start with marketing? Donald, anybody would like to talk about how important marketing is to that book? Brooke? You know what? I do not have a background in marketing, so I can tell you it's important, but I can't tell you much about how to do it. Okay, so you, what do you tell people to do then? Tell them to do their research. I tell them to See, find out what other people right, so are doing. Your, talk your main thing is say re- do research. So I, I'm well, from you know, what you're saying. I'll offer yeah, what and, advice I can, but that's not my specialty, and I don't want to steer somebody wrong. You know, there are a thousand author communities out there, especially if you go on Facebook, and these yeah. people have been successful doing this. So I would right. speak to people who've done it successfully and find out how they did that. Well, that's good advice because I think one of the things is that's one of the reasons I do the shows, why I have people on the shows because I take notes on things, you know, and I learned from almost every author that's on my show something. Donald, how do you feel about that? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I've said it on here multiple times that I, I love the show because I learned so much from everyone else that's been doing it longer than me. And, you know, to tie into what Brooke said too, yeah, I belong to a lot of uh, Facebook groups and uh, blog sites, uh, Instagram groups, things like that, where, you know, we, the author communities, we help promote each other, number one. But my biggest thing has been, you know, just trying to get in the local markets and contacting the local television stations and finding, like, the, the midday shows where you can get on and do, like, a little five-minute segment for your book. And, yeah. You know, just little things like that. You don't necessarily have to start with that broad national reach. You know, start in your area and work out into the outlying areas 
and that's word of mouth and that have been my two biggest uh, marketing things. And there is a place love local authors. Go ahead. Bookstores love local authors. Libraries love local authors. Mm -hmm. They're thrilled to have you come in and do a reading and do a signing. You know, it gives them an event to promote. They'll sell other things. Schools, exactly. They're a little harder these days. Now it's hard. It's very difficult. This last year, anybody that's been on the show has said the same thing. There's nowhere to go. Yeah, we know what? People are doing uh, virtual readings with schools, and they're doing a great job with it. Yeah, yeah you know, does everybody know about Magic? Well, I think the two know. Magic Bean Bookstore. That's an online. It's a really, uh, Liette uh, Regwent, is, um, she's been on the show several times, and she really helps a lot of authors, new authors, Magic Bean Bookstore. And she has a really great community, you know, of, um, yes. you know, and they donate books. I mean, she's very generous in helping people on, you know, when they're certainly when they're starting out, and it's a site where you can put your books on. And um, she has some, you know, it costs not very much to be a member for the year, very little. And um, so I think that that's a good way, too, to put yourself on sites, you know, little sites, you know. And I think, you know, Brooke, I, they are going to be, I'm sure they ask you everything, and I guess your advice is probably just research. So I think that that is what I did years ago, research. But I think people now, they want to snap your fi- their fingers and it works out, and it doesn't always work out that easily. It's hard. You know, this is, all of this is hard. You know, you even writing a bad book, you know, and the, that's yeah. why you need help. And if you think you have a story and you think it's pretty good, and when you go to somebody for editorial services, you have to trust them. So I think when you build or, trust, would, go ahead. I mean, you you trust them, yes, but, you know, for me, and it's there's a really big difference between publishing for a traditional publishing company and publishing as a self-publisher, which is that a traditional publishing company is paying you for your, for your book and they really have the right to say, I need this thing to be changed because they're doing it for right. a reason. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah. self-publishing, you do have a bit more control. And I always tell my authors, if you disagree with me, tell me. This yeah. is your story and you are the one who has to be happy with it. So if the note that I'm giving you makes you want to punch me, then tell me and we'll move on. Well, right. we, we, because people do say that, right? I mean, a lot of times we go like, oh, my editor, you know, we argue and we do, do this and that. You know, I've had the same editor editor for the last 20 years, you know, if for my screenplays and everything. So that helps. He knows me. And I'll say to him, look, don't take my dialogue out. I do other things. But, you know, you have to be really trusting of liking your editor, too. So they not liking them liking them, but I mean liking the advice that they give you and listening and talking to them about it. Because sometimes you do have a difference and you can maybe get somewhere in the middle where it works out. But, you know, you have to take some kind of criticism. If you can't, this is very difficult, you know, and that's one of the problems why people do independent publish. They don't want any criticism. And sometimes you need to have somebody say, you know what, this might not work. You know, so they have to trust you, I think. That's, you know, I feel you need to trust the person with your words, you know, but do your own thing while you're doing it, you know, making sure that your story gets out there. In terms of of book marketing, I found a wonderful book on Amazon called How to Market a Book by Ricardo Fayette, R-I-C-A-R-D-O, and then F-A-Y-E-T. And a lot of the things he has in there, I've learned the hard way. But for a beginner or for somebody who's starting 
new, book marketing can be overwhelming because that's the hardest part, I feel, of of, of self-publishing is book marketing. Mm-hmm. See, it really I think, is a full-time think- job. <laughs> I yes, think I'd like Brooke, I, I'm Brooke, I'm Brooke's site. She says, let's work together to shape your book into what you always dreamed it would be. So that's a good that's a good model. That's something to think of because you dream it, but you want to make sure that it is that book, that it ends up that way, that what you thought, you know, instead of changing it so much where you don't recognize your story, which is so, I mean, Brooke, you've been around, so you've seen what people and, and you described it really good how people feel, that people do feel that they're going to lose control, but they don't always lose control of everything everything that they've written. You know, I mean, publishers don't bother with you if they don't like your story. You know, they they have so many people that they can look at their work. They don't need to take a story and just go, I hate everything about it. I'm going to change it. You know, that's, right. you know so people shouldn't book. be afraid to work with an editor with their work. I mean, I'm sure you, after, I read you have recommendations too of the people that worked with you, so they're happy, right? I mean, right. that's a good thing. Of course. Of course. You want and you know, to be especially happy with traditional publishing, you know, there are certain things where, like I said, they're going to push. So, for example, if you're writing a chapter book or a middle grade book and your character is drunk, you are going to get pushback on that. And the reason you're going to get pushback is because Scholastic won't take it. Scholastic is yeah. a major book buyer. So there's reasons that things are being pushed. You know, right. you might say, well, I'm not going to change this in the book, and your editor's going to say to you, then I can't publish your book because right. that's 50,000 sales gone for this right. sentence. And I've seen it yeah. happen. One oh, sentence yeah. can be enough to lose that scholastic sale. And they wouldn't change it, you know, though? They wouldn't change this? It's very, very rare that it doesn't get changed. Yeah, you know, it should be. I had a, if it's not right. I, mean, I had a conversation... Mm-hmm. Sorry, I had a conversation with a friend recently who works in adult books, and she's at Penguin, and she said to me, well, this author refused to change this one thing, and we brought in a sensitivity reader, and they said it had to be mm. changed, and they're mm. refusing, so we kept the, the contract because yeah. the company knew they were going to be on the hook for things if they yeah. published something. I don't know what the issue was, but it was big enough that, yeah. Well, I always used to tell people if they think if there's a problem – like if they put a name in that they probably shouldn't have, you know, a, a movie star or somebody important or whatever. I said, if you think it's a problem, then don't use it. <laughs> Figure out another way. Mm-hmm. Because if you think there's a problem, there might be one. And you don't want right. a lawsuit. I, You know, I don't, I'm big on you don't want a lawsuit. Because right. you really have to be careful. You cannot say certain things. And, I mean, I there was somebody that came to me, and I won't, I can't even say the title. It was so bad. I mean. It was really, it was horrifying, the title. And I go, you cannot use this title. And so, you know, I didn't end up taking him because I said, you have to change this title. It's a horrifying title. And they didn't care. And I don't yeah. know if they ever got it published, but it's just like you can, some things you just can't do. And, you know, and a publisher will not want to be a part of that. They don't want to get sued or they don't want you because they don't want any problem. I mean, why would you want a problem? You know, when there's millions of other authors out there, you know, that might be. And even, you know, and some people, you have to be able to know that occasionally something has to take be taken out. You know, as a scriptwriter, every word counts. 
so you some lines you have to take out and some people really aren't and they have to learn when they're in the public and you never know who's going to read it or what's going to happen and so if you think any you're going to have a problem then just check it out or don't do something that you think you're going to be sorry for the phrase you know, i have is when it's, when in doubt throw it out yeah yeah, I think that's true. I think, you know, and I do think people, they, they want their words, you know, and they don't like to, which I'm sure, Brooke, you find out editing. They think every word that they say is so important, but sometimes you have to cut to make it work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what do you, you tell know, them when they won't? Listen, with the self-publishing, if yeah. you don't want to cut it, I can't make you do it. That's your book. Right, okay, and if, right. Yeah, you're right. going to be the one who has to be happy at the end of the day. With right. traditional right. publishing, I would push more. But if they're self-published on Amazon for children's books, they're going. Amazon says, does this have inappropriate language? And if it does, you can't publish a children's book on Amazon. Yeah, right. But even just a book, you know, a picture book should be a thousand words at the absolute most. The sweet spot is 500 to 700 words. So if I'm looking at a book that's 1,500 words and I've got an author going, it's okay, it's a picture book for 12-year-olds, you know, that's yeah. their prerogative. Picture books aren't generally for 12-year-olds, but they're choosing to do that, and it's self-publishing, and I'm just going to give them the best advice that I can. But usually what happens is I say, let me take an edit at it. And, you know, It's very rare that my authors come back and say, I don't like what you did. Usually it's, okay, I understand why you did it. This makes sense. Yeah. This reads better. There's always yeah. a reason. It's never arbitrary. Right. I think it matters. You know, if, if, if somebody's reading your book, even if they don't take you, you know, and they say this is a good read, you should be happy with that because a good read is important, you know, and it may not be for the publisher, but if they say it's a good read, it's just not for them. It's not really saying your work isn't good. They're just also telling you that it, it's a good, it's a interesting story probably, and it's a if somebody would be interested in reading it, but it's not for them. So don't throw out your words or just for, throw it in a drawer. Just keep going. Sometimes, like you said, twenty. Sometimes you can go twenty publishers and they'll take it. You know, with publishing, traditional publishing in particular, sometimes there truly isn't anything wrong with the story, but a publishing company might say, I've already got something that fits right. that slot. I right. don't need two of them because cannibalize each other. Right, right. And so I think that's really important. That's why I'm glad that you're saying this, because you did work for traditional publishers. And I think when you go to a traditional publisher, and so don't get upset if they don't take your work because it's not always because your work is bad, and people sometimes they stop writing, you know. And I, for the last 20 years, have been saying, just keep writing. And I can tell you that most of the people that I handle, and I had a lot of clients, they most of them gone. I hardly see any of them out there. They just gave up, you know. And I changed my field so many times in different writing, different things, different screenplay. I took some of my screenplays and made them into books. And, you know, there are certain things over the years you can change. And now with independent publishing, it's really good for people because years ago they just threw it in a drawer. And you know, Brooke, they just dumped it. And that was it. But now they can get it out if they go have it edited and go, and which, Donald, you know, you're illi- you, people are asking you for illustrations. And, Rich, you seem yeah. to manage just fine getting 100 and some books out there. So I think that that's 
you know, you said audiobooks, so I want to talk about this for a second. So you, do you, on all your audiobooks, you have, you're not doing the audio, right? You have, you go I'm, on ACX? I'm not doing the audio. No, I, I find that you, you the, do the speakers that I found, what, what, I use ACX.com, which I highly recommend, yes. because yes. when I call them on the phone or when I email them, I get yeah. not only a quick response, but I get a lot of help. The learning yeah. curve in the beginning seems to be steep, but after you've yeah. done a few audiobooks, then it isn't. It's just, you know, so you step do it by yourself. step by you step. You, I mean, you yeah. have, you, you're the narrator? I have narrated. I yeah, I, I, yeah, I get about 10 or 15 or 20 auditions. And when I listen to wow. those auditions with my wife, um, she'll say, oh, uh, that one's going too fast, or, or that person yeah. doesn't seem okay. to have the, the feeling for the story, or they're not doing it right. And finally... We'll get one, and my wife goes, or I'll go, yeah, that's it. That's the one that fits this book. Because the narrator has to fit the storytelling or the, the reading of the yeah. book. Yeah, well, that's true. That, that's true. But, then, uh, you know, but you can find, you get enough, like on ACX, uh, you can't go on ACX, and the narrator comes in, and you can, you know, uh, some of them are good and some aren't, but you get, you know, they're trying out, you know, they have auditions. So I think that you could, because that's interesting that you've done all your own. Brooke, Brooke, how do you feel about audiobooks? Do you listen to them yourself? or? I don't. Um, I yeah. I have a hard time focusing if I'm just listening to an audiobook. And I've found so far the same with my children. You know, they like, really? especially because they're picture book age. They want to see the pictures. Yeah. So well, I think audiobooks are. Donald, do you? Yeah, how do you feel about that? Don, Donald, do you listen to audiobooks? Or? Uh, uh, see, and uh, I'm I don't listen to them, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of like Brooks' uh, kids as well. You know, I'm very tactile, and both of my kids are. And when they read, they want the book physically in front of them. Because they will, they will actually flip back and forth between pages and look at images again or reread the text again. I mean, my oldest, when he was, you know, starting to read, he would read the same book over and over and over and over and over. And you know, there were audiobooks were in their infancy at that point. You know, so it was all you know books on CD at that point. So I believe it has its place. It's just we just don't do it. Yeah, it's also a matter of kids using learning actual language, you know, as you're reading a book to them and they're seeing the words and how those words are formed and how they're spelled. It's a very different experience. I mean, I think as you get a little bit older, it's fine. And we certainly have one or two of them, those books with CDs and CDs are in the car and they listen to them as we drive. It's five minutes. But their stories uh, they've heard enough yeah. that they're not relying on the art to tell them any of the stories. I found that in my classroom when I was a teacher that out of a class of about 30 students, there were like two or three that did not like to read a book. So in, in the, when I first started teaching, I would bring in cassette tapes or buy cassette tapes of children's stories that were appropriate for their grade level, whether it was elementary or high school. Or, um, and I found that those children would get excited about listening. And when I would talk to them, they were into music. They were into listening skills in terms of music and or singing or chorus. And they would learn in the classroom by 
the discussions we would have by listening. But they, I had a girl who was out for um, a week uh, uh, and came back. I said, uh, have you studied the chapter? She said, oh, yeah, I've read the chapter. I said, okay, here's the test. She flunked the test, and yet she'd always had straight A's. I said, what happened? I thought you said you read the book. She says, I did. I says, are you in band and chorus? She goes, yeah. I said, do you like to sing? Yeah. Um, then you're an auditory learner. What's that mean? Yeah. It means that yeah. you have to listen to, you've been listening to what we talk about in class, and that's why you get an A on the test. But when you read the book, you have to read the book out loud. Oh, okay. And so then I got audio books for those children that, that wanted to listen instead of just reading a book. Also, uh, WhisperSync on Amazon is a wonderful thing where it coordinates what the narrator is saying with what's in the book. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. See, I like that for kids. I think that kids do like if they, I think they should have the book in front of I think magicblock.com um they have a site and you can put your books on there and you can also have the audiobook and people when the book flips as the audio goes. And so I think that for me, I think it I know that children's books do not sell as well on Audible's, you know, as they should. But because I, for all the reasons that everybody's saying, but I find that sometimes if they were looking at the book along with the audio, it helped to some writers, you know, readers, I think, you know, but uh, you're right about the audio because I think maybe I'm that way too. That's why I like audible. That's why I probably like audibles for me when I'm, I'm envisioning it while I'm listening and when I'm reading it, I might have to go back. So it might be something in my past. What can I say? We all have a past, right? I mean, you know, um, of how we learned, you know. But I see, I know that audibles, for me, children's books do not sell as well. You know, so it's interesting to hear everybody's opinion on that. My suggestion to children's books writers is that your main reason is not, you're not writing children's books to make money. Your main reason for writing a children's book is to uh, to educate or and have fun and to play with words and and to play with pictures. It's it's not for the money. You you don't write the children's book for money. Well, there's a lot of writers that, that do. So I think that that's uh, <laughs> you know that's the thing. You know you you've got such experience and you're you're right about that. You know you have to write from your heart too also you know but i do think some of the newer writers out there they're only interested in making money and sometimes it doesn't work for them brooke any comment on that for their part you know as far as how what's happening in this field where people are thinking they're just going to make a fortune on books and they're not and then they're disappointed i think they're in for a rude awakening okay you know even (laughs) even traditionally published author it's few and far between the ones who are making real money yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. And and that's the thing. So you have to really love this and enjoy it. And I think for people, the more books that they write, the better it is for them. And they get their thoughts out and they have fun doing it. And because you have to remember, I think, especially in children's books, it should be fun, you know, for you as well as the person reading the book. So if you're so worried about making money, you might not be worried about the kid enjoying it for fun. So I think that's something they could think of, you know. And I think it's it's unfortunate, though, but that's how the world is. People do want to make money, and I, but it's not that easy. 
And you're right, Brooke, it's not for, everybody does not make money. Well, and, you know, I think that's one of the things about the traditional publishing houses that often people forget is that they are a business. They need yes. to be able right. to make money. You know, I saw an entire conversation happening on Facebook recently. Somebody was upset because a celebrity had published a book. And they felt that that book was taking away from their ability to get published by a company. <laughs> and the reality well, is that a book like that that's going to sell so many copies is what funds a right. project that somebody loves but can't afford. Yes. You know, it's a business. The money has to come from somewhere to pay for the things that are only going yes, to sell. Yes, absolutely. Right. Copies. You're right about that. And I think that they don't think about that. All right. Before, you know, we're going to be ending soon, but I just, I won't, I have to ask a question because this is a question that people ask me all the time. All right. People write a book. They think it's great. They want to get it into a movie. Any advice on that from you, Brooke? Because you were at Disney. So what do you tell all those people that think their books should be movies? You know what? I actually don't. And the thing about Disney was I was never allowed to look at anybody's book that didn't come from an agent for fear that if a movie came out that looked like their book, I know that. Or I know. You know, and that you know, and that is true because you're right. And that is why I was a WG agent. And you're right. I couldn't even sell. I I had all these connections, and I didn't sell like my own things because I was. You can't really do that when you're WGA. You can't work for yourself and sell and try to get out there for your clients. You know, there are rules. You know, and you do have to be careful with what you do, right? And because you can get sued, you know, and because sometimes somebody has an idea, and somebody else has an idea, and then the next person has an idea, and they're very similar. Which is why you can't copyright an idea. Yes, and they have to copyright. Uh, But you can only copyright your words, not your idea. Exactly. Okay, so don't people – I always go to the copyright office in Washington, always, with my screenplays, too, that I used to do from – you know, I I had two, but I always got a – because a copyright to me is so important. So can you just talk for a minute about everybody should get their own copyright on their book? I wouldn't say that everybody should get their own copyright on their book. And the reason for that is if you are going to a traditional publisher, they will handle that for you. Okay. They'll copyright it in your name. Right. Now, that's a Um, different story. Right. But if you're self-publishing, yes, you want to get it. I think it costs like $35 or something like that. Yeah. I think it's it's more now. I think it's more. No, a little more. But I think it's – and they should go to the office. Yeah, you can do it online. It's copyright.gov. You do everything online. Do it after your book has been edited, when your words are locked, because that's what you're copywriting yeah. is your words, unless you're doing art, yeah. in which case you do it after the art is done. Really, the best time, I think, is once you're ready to hit print on the book, because what the copyright office wants is your best version, which is a printed book. But the thing about copyright is if somebody does infringe on you, the formal copyright registration is the only thing that gives you a legal right to sue for infringement. Right. Yeah. You know, It's true that your words are copyrighted well, from the moment that you write them, but that's not enough to bring a lawsuit. No, but I, I do believe, though, that people should copyright. You know, I think they, you know, um, and you can't get your own. It's not easy to even get your own copy. If you want to make a change later, you have to redo, you know, send it to them. Or They're very fussy there. I mean, they are tough, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, I, 
I've always believed in getting a copyright, even before you send it to agents. This is just my opinion. Just get it copyrighted, you know. And if somebody, if you're lucky enough to go to a publisher, they'll do another copyright, if you, you know, on the whole book. But I do think sending things out without a copyright, you just, you know, I don't know. You can't trust a lot of people. So I mean, this is my opinion. So for thirty-five dollars, for I think it's more now. I'm not sure, but I think it's just important, you know. And then they can always get another copy. I mean, if you if somebody takes you, they'll they'll get their own copyright. But at least you're protected, you know. For a certain, it's not a lot of money. Yeah, you know, because I think if you ever blog on this last night, you did. And the thing is, you have to. Again, it comes down to do your research. If you're sending to an agent, if you're sending to a publisher, make sure they're reputable. Look them up. What do people have to say about them? Do you know the books that they've repped? Are they real? Because yeah. a real agent is not going to steal your book. It's not worth their exactly. effort. Exactly. That's true. That's true. And I get that. But there's a lot of people out there. There's more and more out there. And you don't know. So this way, because, you know, if you have the copyright, that's a hundred. That's a hundred years. It's no, you know, those are your words. So if you ever do go to court, they're your words. And so, but you know, right. I think that it's fine if you don't. I, I for me, I I just think it's much safer, and it's not a lot of money. And even if you make changes, if you just, you know, if it's just the storyline and it's your story in there, I feel like it's just something. A protection that people should have, you know, for a very little price. Because you're right, it has to be reputable, but look at all the people out there that you don't know about. You know, yep. and that happens. That's why I say do your research. Yeah, but I think a lot of people don't. Right. I mean, you summed it up really good. You're an editor, okay? Do your research. You can see you edit everything out. And that's, you know, but I think it's really smart for people to research. But some people don't. So, you know, um, there's so many ways to look at things. And so your blog, I mean, that will help people. And now, Rich, you have a blog. That's a good thing. I I, I used to have a blog, and I had several of them. So I'm going back and forth, and what are the things I want to do again? Because I have too many pages and too many blogs. So I think for people out there, they need to just get themselves organized and try to go to the best places possible to get your work done and you can do things not expensively you know donald you have you want to say your website because you can help people with their illustrations uh yeah they can right now they reach me through fiber um that's the easiest place to find me and it's dll942 um that's where a lot of the illustration work comes from now just because it reaches so many more people than um my traditional website and which is oddly enough still in the progress of being done. That's kind of the the last thing that I want to get to before it, um, just so I have a place to solely feature illustrations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rich, where can they find you? My blog is um, readers plus previews, all small letters and no spaces. Readers plus preview uh, reviews. I'm sorry, readers. You know, it's been a long day. It's reading. It is a long day. Guess what? Guess what? I'm telling you, my shows, I'm going to switch them now to 12 noon in uh, Eastern time, probably starting in, in, I think, March or April, because I think it'll be around lunchtime. Because this time already, for a lot of people, it's later. So now that I forgot to say that on the show. So I'm glad you reminded me 
that. <laughs> that maybe I might <laughs> okay, make it this time. I'm so looking go ahead. at it on my laptop. It's okay. readings with an S, readings plus reviews dot blogspot dot com. So B L O G S P O T dot com. And I have books for children. That's my only um, I review books for children. Okay, and Brooke, you have several. Can you want to just talk before we leave on some of the services that you offer? Because we didn't get to the specifics. Because you have different programs for people. It's I not do. Just more. Yeah. Um, so primarily, I am a developmental editor, which means that I'm going to help you shape your manuscript, and I offer that through two different stages of editing. The first one is what I call my editorial assessment, and that's where I'm looking for any big picture issues with your story, and I'm not touching your language. I'm looking for plot holes, not understanding a character's motivation, scenes that shouldn't be there, scenes that should be in there and aren't, that kind of thing. And I usually I'll send notes back on that. The author goes through, they make their changes, send it back to me, and that's when I jump into my second stage, which is my developmental editing where I am actually touching the language, shifting things around. Um, Personally, I find that it's valuable, especially in picture books, to give back to my authors a book that has been properly paginated um, and has art suggestions to go to an illustrator, because I think that often the authors don't quite know what they should be giving. And, you know, that's not to say that that's what the illustrator has to do. It's just a here's a basic idea. Of the page, so, right, so they know the how, many, how many illustrations they might need. Then, they can exactly because that out. when yeah. you go and you're putting in a quote, you want to know how many spreads do I need, how many single pages, right. how many spots, how big is my book. You know, with self-publishing, one of the things that I learned after I started working with it was this: if you're printing on Ingram or you're printing on Amazon, that extra page they're going to end with for their barcode. That if you publish a 32-page book, which is standard for a picture book you're ending up with a 36-page book and four of your, three of your pages are blank. So, you know, now I know release a 31-page file, page 32 will be their barcode. So this is something I'm trying to help the authors figure out and make sure everything is sitting right. Yes, and then, good because that, it, and if they do decide to end up doing it themselves and putting it, if they don't do it the right way, it won't look the right way. Exactly. That's great. That's a good service. Yeah. It's really and good because then yeah, a lot of people do it on their own sometimes then. And just don't know. And, I mean, when I first started yeah. doing editing of self-published books, I didn't know either. You know, it was yeah. when books started coming in and I went, uh-oh, what are these yeah. pages? I better ask somebody what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, because and that, that is important, right, because if it offer. doesn't lay right, you know, it, it doesn't look right, then it's, you know, if you don't, and if you have too many illustrations and you don't have enough illustrations, it's both of those things. And when you go to an illustrator, sometimes they'll say how many, like Donald, right, that you probably say how many you need, right? Isn't that what you'd ask them? How many do you think you need? Well, a lot of folks will say I need, uh, for instance, they'll say I need uh, 16 inside illustrations. Okay, well, what does inside mean? Is it just everything from the title page? To the very last page, are you looking for a dedication page? Yeah. And yeah. are you thinking about a cover? You know, it's like I don't care where they are. You tell me how many images you need, and that, that's yeah. what I'll give you a price on. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think these are all important things that we've said. Is, is there anybody that has anything else that they want to add, Rich? Anybody that wants to add, Brooke? I, I, you know, uh, you didn't say your website too, Brooke. 
Oh, it's brookvitali.com. So is there anything that any of the three of you want to add with in case somebody's listening that would like to do a book? You know, I'm hoping in that in case that they are listening, that they're interested in a children's <laughs> book. That's why I specifically put writing a children's good children's book on, you know, the title because um, this is today was specific, you know, on what we're talking about. So uh, anybody's last words? Yeah, the last thing I would recommend. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead, Brooke. The last thing I would recommend to anybody who's thinking of writing a picture book is to read them. You have got to read a lot of picture books. You have to see how they work, what their structure is. I I just would not recommend just making a decision to write one and jumping into it blindly. Right. That's that's very good. Rich, go ahead. I agree. Also, have your rough draft read by children and have them give you feedback. My grandchildren and and the school children give me wonderful feedback. They'll say, "What's that mean?" Okay, that means I got to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> then right, I have to right. try yeah, to explain yeah. it to well, them. Yeah, it's have a nice, nice that you have an audience that you can do that with. It's, it's <laughs> well, very I, nice. I have, I have a tablet and I have a pencil and I write down what, whatever they say and and I go make those changes before I publish. Yeah. That's a good thing, you know. I, I think all these are g- great things because I think it matters, and I think especially, you know, to look at, you know, when, when you go look at other books. I mean, when I started writing, I just went to the library. I, now you don't have to go to the library, but I went to the library years ago, and I used to just sit there and just read book after book and, you know, learn how to do everything, you know, because this is something that takes a lot of time. You know, I've done children's books, I do screenplays and books, but you don't learn it in one second. And so if somebody does have a question, please feel free to Facebook me or, you know, email me and you can or go to michiganavenuemedia.com and I'll help you send you to the right place because that's the problem. People don't go to the right place. And it, you can really end up spending way too much money on something that you don't have to. And some people spend exorbitant amounts of money and they get nothing for it. So please, if you have a question, I'll be happy to answer you and try to send you someplace that I've used, you know, that I know that they'll be honest because there are so many people, I'm very cautious, and that's why I do say to get a copyright and get a good editor and, you know, get a good illustrator. And I think it's important to do this. So um, I hope that you enjoyed the show, and I'm thankful that all three of you were on. And I think this is a really good way for people that are listening out there to understand what they need to do. And like you said, Brooke, you just don't start and sit down and write it. You just have to, there's steps you have to take to learn what the what the market is, too. Right. So, all right, thank you all. And uh, next Tuesday, I do have a show of horror writers, Elizabeth Black and uh, Tom Jeedy. They are award-winning authors, and my horror writers are always a great show because they have they we talk about writing, and a lot of people just go, "Oh, horror writing," but it's not really. It's just stories. They're like very deep thrillers, and they're always so interesting. I learn a lot from them. So, anybody, everybody, have a great night, and thank you all three of you for being on the show. I so appreciate it. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks, Marcia. Thank you. Bye, bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.